First thing we've got to recognize is we're dropping in here into the middle of a letter that was sent, okay? A letter that was sent to this church at Ephesus. And it's important to know that what came before this. Now, I'm not going to preach all the way through the first five chapters of Ephesians, but it's interesting, though, to note that these verses we just read hit on some truths he's already said in the letter. It's almost like he's wrapping up the truth of God that he's already laid out and saying, you know, there's a battle around this truth. You know that you're going to be challenged to actually believe and live out the truths I've told you. And so he's saying, this will be your battleground, okay? And so some of the things, and I'll just refer you to them uh, earlier in the book of Ephesians. Of course, today's verse, you know, we're going to focus in on Ephesians 6.10, right? Which just says, you know, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Um, and so this idea of, 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 of actually God imparting to us spiritual strength, divine power, He's mentioned it earlier in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 17 to 20. Listen to this, Ephesians 1, 17 to 20. This is really a prayer that Paul was praying at the beginning of the letter. And he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now listen, verse 19. And what is, so he's praying that they would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And you see that divine power that he talks about in those last couple verses? It's like when he's talking about uh, us being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, he's linking back to that. He's saying, listen, the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the very power that put him up at the right hand of God, that same power is the power that I'm imparting to you through the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you need to rely on that. You need to be strong in that. That's what he's saying to us. And so... This whole idea of God's divine power being, in a sense, um, if you will, transmitted to us uh, by the Holy Spirit as believers. We got to get a handle on that. And he's, he's touching on that in Ephesians 6. Also, he touches on some other concepts that he's mentioned earlier in the, in the book. These ideas of some things that are true, but we've not fully realized the full effect. In other words, when Christ died and rose again, right? Uh, obviously, a lot happened when that did, right? But what's interesting, right, is the fact that now, um, you know, the kingdom of God is here in a way it wasn't before, okay? The kingdom of God being like the rule and the reign of God, right? In our own lives, in our own hearts as believers. But, you know, also the kingdom coming in its fullness when the Lord comes back and we get the new heaven and new earth, we will experience all the fullness of the kingdom, right? Meaning no more disease, no more weeping, no more sorrow, all that's gone, right? And so this, this idea, but we, we do experience those things. We get glimpses of those things now. Anytime someone's healed now, 
That's a glimpse of the future kingdom coming to the present. And theologians have kind of named that idea of it's the already but not yet. In other words, when Christ died and all that happened then, the kingdom of God has come near, right? So that initiated something that we've not, we're not experiencing all its fullness yet, but we are experiencing it to a certain degree, okay? So what I'm talking about here with relation battle is this. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, laid out a death blow to Satan. And now, if you want to talk in military terms, since we're talking battles, it's like we're in the mop-up phase, okay? Jesus, you know, put the death blow to Satan. Satan still trying to hang on with these little battles, okay? But it's just that. It's a mop-up campaign. We walk in victory in Christ now, right? We, uh, thanks be to God, like it says in the Scriptures, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So, but we're just saying that, you know, there's, we, we're not experienced the fullness of that, uh, that to the degree that we will when he comes back, okay? And so that's why we have these battles. We're not quite there yet, Okay, you see what I'm saying? So this idea of spiritual warfare, we're battling, not because what Jesus did was insufficient in any way. It's just that we're not fully realizing all those things yet, okay, all the full fullness of it. So that's another aspect that we see in Ephesians 6 that was hit on earlier in the letter. Now, um, this whole idea of putting on the armor of God, earlier in the book, he mentions, I'll give you some references, um, in Ephesians 4.24, he says, put on the new self, put on the new self created according to God's likeness. He's saying this to believers, put on the new self, be who you are. That's what he's saying, be who you are. Walk in who I have made you as a new creation in Christ. Live that out, right? This is what he says to us. And so he uses that put on language, uh, and again, in Ephesians 5.1, he says, be imitators of God, right? That's, that's the same way. Live out. Be a godly person because I've, I've made you holy now, right? And then, of course, now in Ephesians 6.11, he's saying, put on the full armor of God, okay? And so these touch points with previous parts in the book of Ephesians. This is all I'm just drawing your attention to is that, you know, all that comes before this relates to this. This is almost like a final summary but showing us the battleground is going to be over this, these truths, okay? You have to realize that probably as a believer, our biggest battle is to believe, believe in who God says we are now, to believe in, in our, if you will, our identity as a, as a follower of Jesus, to believe in all he's done for us, to believe the position that he's put us in now is holy and blameless in his sight because of Jesus, right? And, you know, some people divide up the book of Ephesians differently. Sometimes they put it in two halves. They'll say there's the doctrine, right, uh, the first three chapters, and then there's the practical living it out, the, verse, the chapters four through six. Um, I think it's Watchman He who came up with the concept of uh, sit, walk, stand. He broke it down into three parts, kind of like, you know, let me sit here under the truth of God and believe it, right, and then walk it out, and then now... Did you see how many times in chapter 6 there are references to stand and stand firm? And that's the stand part, right? And so it's just good for us to know what comes before, okay? Our living out the Christian life is based solidly 
on the truth of who he says we are and the finished work of Jesus. And that's all covered in the first, at least uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians. And we stand on that truth. So this is really an incredible kind of put together conclusion. This whole thing of spiritual warfare. Now, um, some people, when they, they get to this, um, they, they want to kind of like run past it, this idea of spiritual warfare, because they're like, man, you know, come on, we're, this is the, we're in the 21st century. What's wrong with you? Demons? Stuff? You know? It's like you're medieval. But that has not changed, okay? There is an enemy. He is Satan. There are fallen angels. Angels, they're called demons. We'll get into more about that. But I'm just saying, there is, this is truth, okay? This is real. It's hard for people to swallow because they cannot see it, okay? Uh, they cannot see it. Now, you may have seen manifestations of it and didn't even know it, but I'm telling you, the battle is real. The spiritual realm is real. Um, this, this was not something that you can... Uh, wash away with the concept, oh, that was the culture then. They just didn't know better, okay? No. This is the truth of God. Uh, It's not a cultural thing. It's not something that's just stuck in history somewhere, okay? This is reality. Uh, The worst thing that you could ever do is be engaged in a battle, in a war, and not even know it. I'm told, I mean, you're going to be blown to bits, right? If you're in a real war and I walked out to the war zone right now, I got nothing, I got no weaponry, I got no armor, I'm toast, right? At the very least. So this is, the, this is what would it be, though, spiritually speaking, as believers, if we don't believe this is true. Satan's got you right where he wants you if you don't even believe in him, right? So just saying, you know, Satan's real, he's alive, he's... You know, he, he's, he's working. Uh, he's, he, he's on a short leash, okay? By the way, God and Satan are not opposites, okay? That, that concept is not... It's not like he's the anti-God, okay? He's against God, but in no, measure, in no way is he equal opposite. Does that make sense? This is not true, okay? So, anyway, I want to... It's such a short verse today. Maybe it'll be a short message. I don't know. Uh, but this idea of be strong in the Lord, be strong in the Lord, um, that, that word, that idea is not new. All through the scriptures, we hear God telling his people, be strong. Joshua chapter one, right? Joshua and the Israelites are getting ready to go and to walk into all that God had promised them. What did he say? Be strong. Be strong and courageous. Be very courageous, you know. And, and it wasn't like he was saying, okay, now you guys really by your own grit and your own power, muster it up. You know, you can do it. No, he's saying, you know, be, you know, be courageous, but trust in me, right? And that idea of God supplying the strength for the battle, wonderfully displayed there, right, when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. How many battles do you know have been won by marching around the walls of the city. Huh? I can't think of a one except for that one. Okay? And I'm just saying, and it wasn't like God's people did not need to fight physically, okay, at that time. But I'm just saying, God went forward and fought their battles, though. Okay? And, and, and so 
They needed to be strong, and they needed to rely on God. If there's one thing, if there's one thing you remember about this entire verse today, you need to realize that being strong in God is it be strong, being strong in the Lord is totally related to your dependence on Him. Totally. Your dependence on God. All right? So, now, also, David, uh, you may remember in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says there that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I always wonder, what does that mean? What did he do? I'd love to know what he did to strengthen himself in God. But I would have to think, at least one aspect of it, he spent time with God and, he's, and he leaned on God and he cried out to God because he realized he's the only source of strength that was going to supply what he needed for what he was facing. That dependency, right? And so, so this command, this is a command, be strong, be strong. You know what's interesting though? It's not only a command, but it's in... It's in the passive, which means, hey, you be strong, but it's going to be somebody else making you strong. It's coming from the outside. If something's passive, it's done to you. So he's commanding to be strong, but they're not going to get their strength from themselves. This is what he means by, by, the Paul, by Paul using that word be strong in that verb, and he's saying it's in the passive voice. This is exactly what it means. I'm not pretending to be a Greek scholar. I'm just telling you what the others say, and it makes sense. If it's passive, it's done to you. If it's active, you're doing it. Got it? And it's a wonderful language that God gave us the Bible in, that Greek. It's very specific, right? And so we should use that. We should learn from that. So we draw stamina for spiritual battle from within, or excuse me, we don't draw stamina from spiritual battle from within or flexing our own muscles from without, but we do it specifically by being strong in the Lord. So we got to figure out how to be strong in the Lord. That's what we got to do. Got to figure out how to be strong in the Lord. And this presumes a relationship with God through Jesus. You can't be strong in the Lord if you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Okay? You have to have to put your faith, transfer your trust in your own ability to please God, in your own ability to kind of make up for the past, whatever it might be that you think is going to clean your slate enough for God because you can't get it good enough, okay? Uh, so many people don't come to Christ uh, because they say, well, I got to wait till I get my life in a little bit better spot. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, okay? Uh, you can't ever be good enough for God in your own self. You need what the Bible says is the righteousness of Christ. You need to put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And when you do that, when you do that, and you transfer your trust in from whatever you were hoping to get you to heaven, from whatever you were hoping was going to make you right with God, you transfer your trust from whatever that was to Jesus alone. That's exactly what it is. It's a total trust and transference of your trust. Uh, I could always, when I was uh, sharing my faith or whenever I do, and I'm asking somebody, you know, what, you know if I want to find out what they're trusting in, you, you can ask questions. You can say, well, why do you think God should let you into heaven? The answer to that question will tell you what they're trusting in. Well, I've basically been a good person. Well, then they're trusting in their own good works, if they say that, right? That's exactly, I mean, anything other than, well, Jesus paid it all and I put my faith in him is not good enough. Okay, it's totally not good enough. And so, so it, this all starts, right, because you, you're not going to receive the spiritual strength you need unless you are hooked up with God, right, by being a Christian. You have to be a Christian. 
And a Christian is someone who's put their faith in Christ, in him alone, in the finished work of Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins. And once you have done that, then you are in a position to receive the spiritual strength that you and I both need. Now, there are a number of verses that talk about this strength that we need. Uh, some of them I'm sure that you've heard of before, and, and you guys are going to get the verses this time. I actually forgot my sheet on the first service, so you're, you're doubly blessed. You're going to get more verses, okay? So Colossians 1, 9 through 11 says this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, verse 11, this is what I'm focusing in on. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So he's saying, listen, I'm praying you believers that you would be strengthened, right? Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That's the strength we need. We need to pray that. We need to pray that God would strengthen us. Philippians 4.13, one of those coffee cup verses, right, that everybody has. It's a great verse, right? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Wonderful. But it's not about how we can strengthen ourselves. He's saying, I can do everything because of him and the strength he supplies. My Lord supplies to me, right? And so these are things that we need to lean on. If you want to be strong in God, you've got to lean on these truths, okay? Another verse, 1 Timothy 1.12. Says, uh, this is Paul saying, I thank God who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, pointing me to his service. But he's, Paul's saying, I thank God who gives me the strength to do the ministry. 2 Timothy 4, 17 says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. You see, in all situations, right, we just have to really see we don't have what it takes, but the Lord does, and he will supply us with whatever we need to fight the battle. Maybe it's a battle of perseverance for you. Maybe it's a battle of endurance. Maybe it's a, a battle against some sin in your life that has become entrenched and, and, and kind of got a foothold there in your life. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a battle to forgive. I don't know what the battle is you're facing. But anytime the Lord, um, anytime we're reading the scriptures and we read something that we know God wants us to be engaged in or wants us to not do whatever, we have a decision. We have a decision. Will I follow along in the ways of the Lord in that? You know, and that takes trust. And that takes power. Because let's face it, some steps of obedience are fairly easy. Others are just hard, really, really hard. And we need spiritual strength for that, okay? We don't want to be operating out of place of spiritual weakness and have to fight these battles because we will, in a sense, spiritually take some serious hits if we do. And so... We just see all through the scripture this idea of that we need a strength that comes from outside ourselves and just linking it back to those two words, 
be strong. Be strong, not in your own strength, right? This is a, it is a command, but it's a command for us to seek the strength from the Lord and receive it. Now, the other thing that's interesting here is that <clears throat> this idea of, of the, uh, this last point here, self-sufficiency is our downfall, downfall in spiritual warfare. Dependence on Christ is crucial. I'm saying the same thing in multiple ways today, basically. You've got one big idea, okay? And that is be strong. How are we going to do that? Rely on the Lord. We got to. Thing is, uh, we never graduate from that, okay? We think we do. We think, oh, I got that down, Pastor. I'm, you, I might as well just take a nap, you know? I got this one. No, we don't. No, we don't. I don't. This is, this may be spiritual kindergarten, but we never graduate from that, needing total reliance for God's strength in our lives and to walk out following Jesus, right? And so uh, we see if, you know, if, if I were to outline the passage here in verses 10 to 20, I, do, I might do it this way. This would be one way. Verse 10, like we're starting off with today. Verse 10 would just be that, you know, we need spiritual strength for the battle. It's plain and simple. Then I would take some time, which I will in the, in the following weeks, unpacking verses 11, 14 to 17, which say uh, we need spiritual weaponry for the battle. We're going to talk about that for several weeks. What is that? How do we appropriate that? How do we use that? Okay? And then lastly, in verses, verses 18 to 20, we need a way to ha- communicate uh, to our Savior in this battle, and that is prayer. 18 to 20 is about prayer. Right? All these things are outside of ourselves in a sense, right? They're, but they're all, all totally rely on us relying on God. We must depend upon Christ. We must depend upon his sufficiency and his supply and the truth of what he accomplished for us. All those things that came before in the opening chapter, chapters of Ephesians, we have to rely on that stuff. And I'm just, just trying to explain to you and emphasize the fact that those verses 10 to 20 all are saying, you're not self-sufficient. You shouldn't be self-sufficient because If you are, you're going to lose the battle. This spiritual battle, this spiritual battle that we are engaged in requires a total dependency on God. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, I I really don't feel like I have a lot of battles. I'm just a high schooler, you know? Well, trust me, there's plenty of battles living for Jesus in high school. I remember those days, okay? I wasn't a Christ follower then. I can't imagine actually hanging Jesus on my on my person at that time, being a Jesus follower. And, you know, that's, that takes some guts. Um, it, it takes some strength. Well, to not only live for him and be vocal for him, but, I mean, to love people the way Jesus wants you to love people, right? When they're not loving you back the way you would want them to love you back. And so we are in battles every day, right? Now, this other aspect of the, that phrase, be strong. So it's, it's not only in the passive, which is the voice, but the tense is in the present. It's a present tense thing, which often means it's something that is continually going on. 
In other words, to be strong, you know, and again, it's not strong in ourselves, but strong in the Lord, we need a continual supply of strength, right? So this idea indicating that in Christ we have constant ongoing supplies of all that we need for spiritual warfare, right? So what you need today is maybe not what you had yesterday, but you will have what you need for that strength for today, okay? And this is important for us to see. It wasn't like, you know, it's like a, you get a shot, that's all you need. No. It's a continual supply. The Lord Jesus will supply you with all the strength that you need to live the life he's called you to live and to fight these spiritual battles that we're going to talk about. We haven't even gotten into the schemes of the devil. We haven't even gotten into the armor. That's coming. But unless we realize this first point in verse 10, that you are totally dependent on God and the Holy Spirit to help you walk in victory and win these battles, you're done. Okay? That's it. I mean, that's that we have to get this before we can go into the other stuff. I'll close with this a couple of verses in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, just reminding me of I'm not, in, I'm not sufficient in myself. Now, some days I'm really aware of that, right? I don't know about you, but some days I'm very aware I'm not sufficient for whatever it is the task is. I'm not a sufficient parent. I'm not a sufficient um, preacher. I'm not a sufficient counselor. I'm not a, you know, I'm very aware. Other days I'm like, yeah, I got this, you know, and that's not right. It's good to have a God confidence, okay, you know, but not that kind of a cockiness, right? And so we, we need to realize this. And so these verses in 2 Corinthians are going to talk about, share with you, really kind of emphasize that dependency that we're talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 5 is 1. The Apostle Paul being challenged saying, you know, I don't know if he's really God's man. I, I really think maybe he's just kind of in it for himself and all these accusations he was facing. But here's how he responded. I'll, I'll go into verse 4, 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made all sufficient who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, again, he's kind of, he's trying to defend the ministry that God's called him to. But he's saying, you know, our sufficiency doesn't just come from because we said we're, we're because we said we're going to do this. You know, this is something we took up on ourselves. God called us into this. And he is the one who makes us sufficient for it. And so that idea that our sufficiency comes from God to do whatever he calls us to do is something we need to remember. Our sufficiency is not coming from ourselves. We are insufficient to do the things, to, to be the moms and the dads that God wants us to be or to be, to, be the, um, you know, to be the students that God wants us to be or whatever. We're not sufficient on our own. The other verse I wanted to close with, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Familiar passage, probably. Uh, Verses 8 to 10. You know, here we have Paul 
asking the Lord to take away from him this thorn in the flesh, you know, may have been some kind of physical ailment that he was praying for healing about. We don't really know for sure, but that is one option for certain. And so he says in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Because you're just all that. Oh, that's not what the Bible says, does it? That's not what the Bible says. No, no, it says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, when you're weak, that's just right where we need to be, right? In, in the sense of our dependency. I mean, it's not like I want you to feel bad or that God wants you to feel bad, but he, he wants us to see that when we are weak, that's when he really comes through with his strength, right? And so he's saying, okay, Paul, I'm not going to remove that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, um, but I will. I will in that weakness, in your dependency, I will give you the strength and the grace to endure. I'll give you the grace to live in that, with that even. And he did. And once, when he made that shift in his thinking that when the Lord gave him this word and said, my grace is sufficient for you, I'm not taking this thing away. When he accepted that, that's when he was able to say, okay, if this is the way it works, I love my weaknesses. I love the fact that I'm weak. I love because then you are strong. Then you are strong. And that's where we need to be. If we're going to fight these battles that we're going to talk about, if we're going to, if we're going to be aware of the schemes of the devil and fight these battles and be victorious in the spiritual battles that we're going to face as we talk about the different armor and about the schemes of the devil, we need to, first and foremost, get rid of any idea that we are sufficient to do so, right? Let's pray for that. Let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and ask, pray, Lord, help us to realize that this command to be strong is not something that we can just gut it out in the flesh. We have to look to the one who saved us, to look to the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. It has to be outside of ourselves. And so, Lord, I can't think of a better way to show our reliance upon you than to be in front of you on our face, crying out to you for your help crying out to you for your strength to live out the godly life in the context that we find ourselves. Lord, we need your strength. Lord, help us. If we are not even spending much time at all in prayer, but trying to really figure everything out ourselves. Yeah, it's good to think it through. It's good to make plans, all of our plans, all that. But Lord, help us to really seek your face and realize that we need to be spiritually strong to live out the life you've called us to. Lord, also, Lord, help us. We need that spiritual strength, and and so much of it, too, comes from the nourishment that we get from the Word of God. I so much enjoyed those fish and chips I had last night, Lord. They were awesome. And I love my food, and I, I, I just don't even like the thought of ever going out without a meal. Lord, I need your word. The word of God is our food. 
It's food for our soul. Heavenly Father, help us see it's necessary. Lord, help us, Lord, to take it in and to see how to apply it to our lives. Let that nourish and strengthen us in our spirit so that we can fight the battles that we face, that the enemy is coming at us with all these flaming missiles as it talks about. Lord, we need your help, but help us, Lord, as we get into this passage in the coming weeks to start off coming to you empty-handed and on our knees. We, We don't have what it takes except for what comes from you, God. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.